you are here because the outside world rejects you. This is your family. I am your father. I want you all to become full members of the foot. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature who interfere with our business. You are my eyes and ears. Find them. Together, we will punish these creatures, these turtles. Hello and welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to episode 544 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a comics episode, it's a Saturday comics episode because I had a bunch of comics I needed to get through this week, get the pile dwindled down so I could remember half the stuff I read, but we are behind, so I figured I'd run a Saturday comics episode, I might do some more this week on oddball days. We'll see. I'm going to come out with a couple video YouTube episodes that will be comic reviews also this week. If you haven't seen them up, go check them out. But other than that, for right now, I believe last weekend, the Crimson Color Comic Club reviewed Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number four. I couldn't make the episode. I had a bunch of stuff going on, so I figured I would review it here on this episode. But the apocalypse, the apocalyptics begin. <clears throat> but it isn't fun and games. The Wasteland Rangers won't let Maceo, a rival suitor for Mezzi, Go without competing to the death. The stakes are high as Mezzi's close connection with the Rangers' chiefess, chiefess is revealed, and Maceo seems out of his league. But there's more than one way to save someone. There's also more than one way to skin a human. <clears throat> so Maceo better get his shit together because he's going to end up getting his butt skinned by the Boy Scouts, the evil Boy Scouts, if he keeps up his, what's going on. But we get some back history of our characters and find out that Mezzi apparently kissed a girl back in the day and got punished for it. And now that she's with Maceo, which is apparently a boy, but yet I felt like Maceo was a girl this whole storyline. I just don't get the guy part from her, feel from her, him, <laughs> him, her, whatever. But that they say different than what I feel from the storyline. <laughs> But this story, this episode was more gruesome, more grueling, more abusive storyline. You're getting to see the scouts catch up to our characters and 
trap and punish and haunt our characters and want to do all kinds of things to them. And we're finding out more about the chief dress. I thought maybe she didn't have eyeballs, but now we get to see her eyes finally. Uh, but yeah, she's an evil little witch that needs to be taken down. Hopefully, messy, messy will combat against these characters. I mean, they got them far enough away from camp now. If you take them out gradually, you'll have the upper hand. So you would think they'd want to take out these characters while they could. But instead, they're getting themselves trapped and tortured and punished. And that's not a good thing. But this is by Boom Studios, Jason Aaron, Alexandra. Tefenke and Lee Luridge. It's a interesting new story about the apocalypse and what's happening afterwards. Uh, and now we're going to see something called the Apocalympics, apparently, is what's going to be leading into the next story. And we're going to see how, how Maceo survives, if he does. I don't see him surviving because he's already beaten beaten up pretty badly and going against characters that actually have abilities to survive. And Maceo doesn't have much of any abilities to survive other than playing with their world around him, which we also find out some bad things about that, which is pretty messed up. But, of course, they're going to destroy everything around them, but... And just keep what they care about and keep hunting everything else down and trying to be the number one entity on the planet, I guess. The number one ruling entity with some really stupid rules that they go by. But, hey, it's a story. Let's see where it goes, I guess. But this was probably my least enjoyable issue so far of the four. And then next up, we got Scorn number one. This is something from Keen Spot Entertainment that I picked up. So I wanted to check out, and I, I believe there's a Troy Dungara cover that I have coming. This one I just grabbed from the shop this week. Just to check out the storyline, see if I liked it or not. But my comics are behind on their shipment, so hopefully I'll get that one sometime this week. I think I should get a box coming, but we'll see. But I picked it up anyways, just so I could check out the story. Chris Chris Crosby, Thani Beebe, 1990s bad girl character Scorn returns to comics after a quarter century in a boldly reimagined new series. On a backwards planet planet guided by an ancient rule book, teenage princess Kaylee assumed those rules didn't apply to royalty like her. But after the ruling council violates her privacy and discovers she's gay, a big no-no, Kaylee only escapes execution by being banished from her home planet forever. Now living under the alias Scorn and exploring the galaxy along with fellow outcast Shaz, 
she tries to find happiness until an evil act forces Scorn to return to the place she once called home. Now it's up to this former princess to teach her world that stupid rules were meant to be broken. It's, uh, it's two stories in a row that dealt with that issue. And in both stories, <laughs> both of these first stories, you see the evil entity destroying all kinds of characters and the good entity trying to survive in a world that doesn't want her. And it's just, I like this character. It was fun. She's got some attitude. Uh, they have some nice sketch pages in the back and stuff and some other information about Scorn in the back to get you deeper into the storyline. But I like how she's got this interesting little suit that hooks her up for to give her some special abilities along the way. And we find out that she's trying to be turned into a person that someone else wants her to be and we have our characters that help her out along the way and it was it was fun i i'm looking forward to seeing where this story goes she's a gal with attitude fighting against the environment that doesn't want to allow her to be part of it and we'll just see where it goes from here but yeah that was a Interesting look into that storyline, and now that I'm looking at, they do have all the covers on the back. Yep, the cover C was the Troy Dungara cover, which, yeah, I should have that coming on the way. And then they also have the Rob Pacek cover. That I like, and they also have a Rob Pacek hollow foil cover. And then Rob Pacek did this cover A that I picked up. So him and Thani BB did this one. And they have a hollow foil flip cover for cover H if you want to get that too with those two characters doing that. But yeah, I like that one. This is this next one I... I know I've reviewed the whole trade in the past, the individual comics in the past, and then I came across the number one again, and I figured, what the heck, I gotta check this out. It's been a couple of years since I read it. But it is She Senruki, I believe it's pronounced Senryaku. She Senryaku. Number one. And this one is William Tucci's. Art resembles the illustrative style of Patrick Nagel. She Senraiuki Senraiaku is a collection of three books similar to The Art of War and Book of the Five Rings. Each rule is demonstrated by an episode from She's Life. There's 36 short stories with 36 corresponding artworks. Uh, yeah, they don't give you much more on that, but it's just got such beautiful artwork in here and seeing the, <clears throat> it starts you out with the 36 introductions 
and it gives you an explanation of how the books kind of worked in to be part of the storyline. And it's like every two pages are linked together. And there might be some single pages in here. But usually every two pages is a different story that's crossed over with she's life and just how it connects and how the different styles of war and stuff connect with those storylines and what she's dealing with in her life to get through. And these are just wonderfully written, beautiful artwork books if you can get your hand on it, on them. And you're into that type of lore and stuff. I would say definitely check them out. I uh, love the books. I kind of regret giving my hardcover one to someone. I sent it to a podcaster's daughter. Because I thought she would really get into it. Because she was into martial arts and everything at the time and seemed like she liked it but didn't hear much more beyond that and of course i gave her the hardcover version which was the better version of all the ones i had and <clears throat> i thought i had a second copy but all i had was the paperback version so watch what you do kids when you give stuff away to people that don't appreciate it as much as you thought they would <laughs> But they are getting into comics more since then. So that might have helped a little bit. And then next up, they had a freebie this week at the comic shop. 2023 sketchbook Stormbreakers, the next generation of elite artists. Looks like characters like Alana Casagrande, Nick Klein, Jan Basalder, Chris Allen, Martin Cocolo, Lucas Wernick, Federico Vicentini, and C.F. Villa. Look like the people that are involved in here, but you get an introduction to all our characters. You get examples of their artwork in here. You get some other artist work throughout, but yeah, you get an introduction to each character. And I was all excited because, of course, it says at the top, 2023 sketchbook, Marvel sketchbook. This isn't no Marvel sketchbook. This is full, complete images. You'll get some black and white images, but there, you don't really get sketch work in here at all that I've seen. But at least you get to notice. I mean, there's some sketch sample work and stuff. But there's more complete imagery than actual sketch imagery in this book. But it's nice because you get introductions to all the different artists and get to see what their artwork artwork looks like and whether or not you're going to be into them and want to follow them in the future. And there's some question and answer segments with these all the different artists and to get you deeper into their what they're into and stuff and see if they're like-minded with you and if there's someone you want to follow in the future it's a nice way for that to happen but other than that it didn't really do much for me 
I was just really hoping to see some sketches and see the artwork it progress. And that's the way I, and you're going to call it a sketchbook. Let's see some sketching. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Best of Leatherhead. Written by various people. Covered by James Biggie. Long before becoming a pawn in the Rat King's Armageddon game, Leatherhead ran rampant as one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' most iconic foes. Relive some of the ruinous... Runus? Reptiles' most raucous tales in this collection featuring Lethal Le Leatherhead. This one, I didn't care for. <laughs> Leatherhead's one of my favorite characters. But right off the bat, it starts you with a disgusting story of poaching animals which i get it it's all part of the storyline that's not something i want to see i wanted to see some fun leatherhead storylines but this gets you the introduction of him into the turtles uh reintroduction to him later on in life with the turtles and then uh more of a rat king style story that gets us into the what are they the oolans or whatever the characters that are based on the brains the krang style brain characters we get that type of story in here but yeah i and they are all decent stories and everything but it didn't It had more senseless death and abuse than enjoyable battles with our normal characters. So, I don't know. That just didn't... It's those type of storylines just kind of bum you out when you're reading them. <laughs> just If you're like me, at least. You actually have a heart and a soul. <laughs> So that's, that kind of pulled me away from it. I, uh, but I bought it because of Leatherhead. I have the other turtle ones and stuff. Well, at least the regular turtles. I don't have like Splinter and all that and Shredder and all the eyeball issues. But after reading this one, I'm kind of curious how the turtle ones are going to go and whether or not I'm going to care about them either. So. I expected with it being a thick book like this, I expected there to be more than three stories. Uh, but that didn't, it didn't interest me. When you're looking at the best of or something, it should be a good size trade paperback form. And these are good size comics, but the pages are thick. So you're getting probably about a third of the comics that you would back in the day with your old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic pages. And so they could have put a lot more story in there. But instead, you get like three main stories. and They weren't that good to me, in my opinion, at least. 
But we'll see what the future has to offer. Don't know. I'll read the turtle ones eventually and see if I like those or not. And then the final one <clears throat> we're going to talk about today is Vampire Macabre. Nosferatu, Nosferatu special number one. I believe this was a one shot. Written by Frank Forte, Tim Vigil. Art by Frank Forte and various other people. Cover by Tim Vigil. Asylum Press brings you a horrific, bloodthirsty collection of all new vampire tales. Featuring an international cast of artistic talent. Frank Forte delivers another installment of our favorite vampire queen, Nosferazix. Frank Forte and Adu Medina revives Zephira, the night killer, for another round of post-apocalyptic vampiric action. And lastly, Tim Vigil gives us Feline Fatale, a seductive female vampire wakes up from her coffin and prepares to walk the night. She is interrupted by a prowling, prowling black cat. A must for all vampire fans. This is another one that gets into animal torture. <laughs> Which I didn't care for. Uh, and you get to see a variety of other characters deal with their vampire ways and dealing with the humans around them and how they revolt against them. And I do like this Nosferazix character, which I believe I've seen something before of that character, but I have been reading a lot of these vampire macabre style one shot comics when they come out and Frank Forte puts out a ton of shit. He'll put out, it seems like he writes a book a day <laughs> sometimes, if not more. As he'll, when I was part of his uh, email thing, I was, felt like I was getting an email from him every day telling me about another new book to look at. But, but yeah, this was interesting. Interesting look at these characters and how they care so little about all other life. And why should they? They're already dead, so. Might as well kill everything else around them. But but yeah, those were interesting. Uh, actually, a, more of a non-enjoyable pile of comics, I guess. I can see probably half of those going up for sale. So we'll see what happens. And we put some stuff on eBay this week. But let's end this again with some... Old fun facts. Let's see if we find anything fun this time. Since serving soda water on Sundays <clears throat> was against the law in the 1800s in most U.S. towns. Really? Soda water was against the law on Sundays. Must be another freaking religious thing. Some drugstore owners could not serve ice cream sodas. Instead, they served a concoction with ice cream, nuts, fruit, and syrup, but no soda water. These Sundays on Sunday became so popular that they were soon served every day of the week. It's like Sundays are better than the soda water things anyways. 
Then we have Francis Scott Key composed the words to the Star Spangled Banner on the back of an envelope. Hey, most great songs were written kind of that way on a napkin or artwork started by a napkin or written on a table mat or something. The temperature in South Dakota once went from 10 below zero to 55 above zero within the space of two minutes. Holy shit. The hell caused that? They don't have no great lakes near them or anything like that. That's weird. Once U.S. President Theodore Teddy Roosevelt was on a hunting trip in Mississippi. One day, a bear cub was brought into camp for the president to shoot. Roosevelt refused. That was many years ago. But because of Teddy Roosevelt's liking for the bear cub, toy bears are called teddy bears to this day. It's like, what kind of pieces of shit? They're in the military. They're just taking helpless little animals, (laughs) cubs and stuff, and shooting them. Really? Fucking ignorant bastards. All right, people spend about a third of their lives asleep. Well, yeah, that's if you're lucky <clears throat> and actually get sleep at night. Then America bought Alaska from the Russians for two cents an acre. Well, no wonder Russia's constantly flying overhead and checking on what's going on over in that beautiful country that they decided to give away. That was pretty dumb of them. Two cents an acre? I would have bought the shit from you. (laughs) I would have gave you five cents an acre, damn it. But yeah, that's it for today. The cat's on me again. So, I can't grab anything else anyways, so I will end it here. And we'll get back to you again soon with some more goodies. Don't forget to check out Under the Call of MS YouTube. Should have a couple new things up this week. And more things to come. And you can also follow Under the Cull, Crimson Cull Comic Club. Well, follow Crimson Cull Comic Club Under the Cull's just got old episodes. We'll get back to you again soon. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>